this morning, there were three responses to Christ, and I kind of only looked at two of them. And so we're going to look at the third one a little bit, a little bit more in depth, and then try to understand. That's a whole lot better, right there. Just that unloosening the tie. Uh, we're going to take a look at there's three things here, and, and they kind of build on each other, but um, we're we're going to spend most of the time just kind of reflecting on the man that Jesus healed, or the men, depending on which gospel we're looking at. So the men, because we're in Matthew. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out, I kind of mentioned it, and I think you all know it just because in the conversations that I've had with some people already, um, this gets brought up eventually. Stories like this are fascinating because demons and uh, these types of miracles are are just very intriguing to us. We're fascinated by things that ultimately cannot be explained. And we can go round and round. I had a list of about 10 or 12 questions that I wanted to answer, and I didn't answer but one of them. And even then, I was a little shaky on what I came up with. Uh, and then talking with a few others, you know, here, what about this? What about this? And, and every single one of them, yes, that's interesting. But the problem is that we could spend a long time going over it and not learning what the point of the, of the story is. And so, uh, this is an exercise in self-discipline. When we study stories like this, uh, when we study any of the Bible, uh, we, we need to practice discipline because there are Many questions that cannot be answered in the Bible. For instance, some of the questions you might have been thinking about. What happened to the spirits after the, after the pigs drowned? Why did the spirits, you know, how many spirits were there? Uh, what, uh, you know, who, who killed, you know, did the spirits drive them in or did that, uh, did Jesus, uh, you know, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. I won't get into it because I, I confused myself just trying to answer, ask, ask all the questions. And we can spend a lot of time and effort into these types of questions and get nowhere. And at the end of a conversation, we can say, okay, well, that was very interesting. I had fun. I enjoyed that. What would you learn? How do, how do you apply that? Yeah. And so we, these studies like these are exercises in self-discipline. There's nothing wrong with adding uh, to asking those questions because sometimes I'm not saying that the, 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 the truth is always right there on the ground for you to pick up. Sometimes you do need to dig for it. And we learn things by studying into certain things. But at, at a certain point, we have to think about, okay, is this what was there, what there for? Was this the, the reason of the story? Which is kind of why I think Matthew's uses of, uses of the word behold help us to kind of stay on track. Like, don't linger, keep moving. We're getting to the end. We're getting to this, this authority that Jesus has. We're getting to the responses that these men have, which I think is the is the ultimate uh, point of the story, but we take it, we come back, and we look at this uh, passage again with uh, the man in mind. And I don't know what his real name is. He's no longer Legion because he has no longer has any demons in him. I'm going to read instead of Matthew eight. I'm going to read from Mark. Okay, so if you want to uh, go to Mark chapter uh, five, and I'm going to read this one because it just offers a few more of the details. And just because they're not in Matthew doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh, but uh, And some of the stuff we're going to talk about kind of uh, weighs on Mar- uh, Mark's 
uh, indication, uh, Mark's uh, version of the story. So, all right. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. You see there, it was a different, different wording than from Matthew. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So here's there's proof here that Mark is talking about more conversation than Matthew actually included. Mark's, Matthew's not trying to include this whole conversation. It's just the one word, go. Obviously, Jesus said more there. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And so there are three things that I want to point out uh, tonight with uh, the time that we have about uh, this story and specifically uh, about this man. And so I'll just jump right into the first one. And the first one is that that, that, uh, that there's an emphasis on the value of a single person. The value of a single soul. Think about it. Jesus knew, go all the way back to when Jesus was confronted by the scribe and the other disciple that said, I will follow you wherever you go. At that moment, Jesus had said, we're going to the other side of the boat. Do you think Jesus knew what was going to happen? On the other side of the boat, on the other side of the trip, you thinking? I don't think that he was wondering. You know, maybe we'll go over here and find something. Else. I think Jesus knew what was going to happen when he got over there. And if we think about, if we kind of chalk up all the things that happened, there's not a whole lot in the plus column that happened on this whole journey. They went from they left all of the people. They lost two potential disciples. Then they go through the storm and they go through all of that. Uh, you know, emotional turmoil. They get over there. They get they 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 get turned away from a, a region of ten cities. And the first city they get to, the people say, "Go back. We don't want you here." And so they go back. The only pluses in this whole story is that one or maybe two men became followers of Jesus. And we have to include that the disciples' faith was built up while on the storm, while in the storm, and also 
watching this this interaction between the between the, uh, the 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 demons in Christ here. But Jesus brought the disciples through a storm only to bring them right back where they came from, with not a lot of results. Can you imagine if you know someone was, we decided to send some a group of 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 our number here on a little trip? And we're going to go, let's say we're going to go across the country and, and it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of expense and it's going to just take a lot of effort to, to, to get these people over there. And then you get over there and as soon as you knock on that first door, as soon as you talk to that first person, they say, go, go away. We don't want you here. And you have to go all, you have to come all the way back home. And then you come back and you report on that. All right. What happened on your trip? Tell us about your trip. And you say, well, we talked to one guy and I think we, 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 we convinced one guy of the truth and, and he, and he committed to following Christ, but then we got turned away and we had to come back home. So you're saying that the only thing that happened on this whole trip is that one person became a Christian? I mean, only one person got saved? Yeah. Now, most people would say that was a, that was a bum trip. I mean, that wasn't a very successful trip, but, we see that Christ did it anyway. And I think that Christ knew what was going to happen when this, when this, uh, before, from the very beginning. Uh, and he built his disciples up, but he went to reach one man. Or we can say two men. He went to reach just a very small group of people. Why? Because he values souls. Jesus values people, individual. You're not a number to God. You're not just one of the people that live in Sherman. You are you. And then we read the verses that remind us of how God knows the numbers of hairs on our head and He collects our tears in a bottle and He has our names written on His hand and, and all of these things that show us the intimate uh, knowledge that God has of us. That He knows more about us than we know of ourselves. God loves us. God knows us. God values you. But we see at the end of the story that this one man was going to be the missionary to the Decapolis. They could send Jesus back. But the one man stayed. And he would go into the Decapolis. He would go to ten cities and tell I mean, can you imagine how famous this guy is if people in 10 cities know who you are? You go to a, a region of 10 I mean, just, just imagine being known in all of Chautauqua County. I mean, you have to kind of reach a certain level before for people in, in all of the county to recognize your name and to know who you are. And this is that man. Because you can't, how do you prove that you used to be demon-possessed unless they already knew you when you were demon-possessed? You can't walk up and say, well, let me tell you, I used to be possessed by demons, but now I look normal. Well, how can you prove that? Unless they already knew all this. And now he's coming to them and, and saying, Christ changed me. Jesus, this, this guy came and, 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 and changed me. And, and we see that at the beginning there, uh, at the, or sorry, at the end there, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Everyone's overwhelmed with, this is incredible. I can't believe that happened to you. Another thing I think is interesting is what Jesus told him in, in verse number 10, 19 is that he said, go home to your friends, which tells me that this man wasn't always like this. He wasn't always demon-possessed. He used to be a normal guy. He used to be a man that had friends. Maybe he had a family. Maybe he had a, 
a wife and kids or, or a home or whatever, but we know he had friends. And those people knew him before the demons. They knew him during the demons. And now they see him after the demons. They saw a change in him. And so uh, this is why Christ, this is why it was worth it to go on such a such a, an unsuccessful trip with only one or two converts because those one or two were going to be missionaries and go out for the, uh, into the rest of the cities. And so, uh, he went to help, uh, to, to help one man, or he went to help just a few people, because Jesus places a high priority and a strong emphasis on people. Some of the other things that, that, uh, I was, I was reading here, uh, kind of questioned about the, the significance of the loss of pigs. You know, like, if Peter was around at that time, it would, it would have been in an uproar. They would have, they would have been upset. Why would Jesus let 2,000 pigs be destroyed just to prove a point? I mean, Jesus didn't have to let them go into the pigs. He could have just said, no, you have to leave them and you can't go into the pigs. You go back to, uh, the, the, the spirit world or you go back to wherever you came from, but you don't get to stay here and you don't get to go into the pigs. But he let them go into the pigs. And there's a lot of questions there. Why did he let them do it? And we can go all around uh, for all night with with questions like that. But the 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 thing is here. The the main point is they did go into the pigs. The pigs lost their life, but it was to save two men. And so people are more important than pigs. People are more important than possessions. People are more important than an economy. People are more important than our personal comfort. Think about it from the city's standpoint. We just lost 2,000 pigs. Uh, Art, you never had 2,000 head of cattle, did you? Cows? No. But imagine if you lost every one that you own. I mean, that would kind of put a, a hurt in the budget, I'm sure. I mean, that would, what do we do? And that would, that would really hurt things. Uh, but and and so if, if this is one guy's uh, herd or if this is uh, uh, a city's worth of of pigs, who knows? But it was worth it to save these two men. Uh, people are more important than the the person, as I said, the personal comfort. Why did we have to go all? The, can you imagine the disciples on the way back? Jesus, are we to do this again? We're we gonna have another storm. Are we going to get through all the way this time or are we going to have another one of these, these teaching moments on the, on the boat? Uh, but it was worth it. It was worth the, the sacrifice, the time, the effort, the energy to go because someone would be reached. Uh, and, and people are more important than the shame of being rejected by other people. Can you imagine? I don't think we properly can, but try to imagine being the creator of the universe and then being rejected by the very people you created. Saying, no, we don't believe in you. We don't want you around. We don't like you. Think, I, I could snuff you out right now. And you wouldn't be able to stop me. I just did that to demons, and you have the nerve to send me away? Think about what he could have done to those people. And he didn't. He turned around and he left. He, he did as they wished. Why? Because people are more important than the shame of rejection by other people. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did Jesus suffer the shame and the humiliation and the mocking 
and the spitting and the, the separation, he's seeking to save the lost for the people he wanted to save. And so we see the value of want. Now, with an application here, I wonder how this speaks, and I, don't, I won't get into it too much, but just kind of throw it out there and let it simmer in your brains a little bit, but I wonder how this speaks to us in reaching the people that we would consider unreachable. I don't know anybody that I would say, that person's demon-possessed. It seems like it happened a lot in the Bible. I don't think I've ever met anybody that I would say they're possessed by demon. Now, maybe maybe I have, and I just didn't know it. Maybe we would just call them they're crazy, or maybe we would... Maybe they've been, you know, highly medicated or something, and, and I don't I don't know. But it seems like in the Bible times there was a lot of people like that. But I imagine that if you meet someone with a demon a, a demon in them, or many demons in them, someone so out of control as these guys were, what can I do to help? I think I'm gonna go find someone who's a little bit easier to manage, someone who's a little bit more willing to hear. Do you think that this guy was willing to hear a gospel presentation while the demons were? I mean, do you think this guy wanted to have anything to do with, let's pull him into the 21st century. Is this the kind of guy that is going to take an invitation to church? Is this the kind of guy that, that, that we're going to want to, you know, invite over for our, for, for a dinner? And yet he's the very one that Jesus came to save that day. He's the one that was valued above the pigs and above the economy and above the, even the other people. He was the one that everybody else had given up on. But Jesus hadn't. So that leads me to number two. The men uh, were different, the two men here, were different before Jesus came and after Jesus came. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, they were different from the rest of the people before Jesus came. Like, they were demon-possessed and nobody else was. They were obviously different. And now, they're still different from everybody else. How are they different now? Because they're Christians. People are not. They're still different. And when Jesus saves us, it is not intended to leave us the same. Salvation is not intended to leave a person the same as they were found. Uh, we are not saved to be like everybody else. Sometimes there's a, there's a real temptation to try to just fit in with uh, with society and fit in with the culture because uh, you don't get as much pushback when you kind of blend in. But that's not what we're called to do. I don't think that we're supposed to be weird and I don't think that we're supposed to be belligerent and obnoxious, but we're definitely not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be different. Uh, and in the city, people didn't want Jesus around, but Jesus sent someone back to the city, at least one, maybe two back into the city, and he wasn't supposed to be different, or it's the same. He was supposed to look different from them. He was supposed to be the guy that had been healed of demons. He was the one that was supposed to be telling everybody what Jesus had done. You mean the one that we sent away? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. He's the one that changed me. He's the one that, that completely overhauled my life. Uh, you need to listen to what, to, to, to my story. You need to trust him too. And this is, this is God's continued mercy on us. I mentioned it briefly this morning. This is, this is God's long suffering. Because as, as just as sinners, we reject God. And Jesus comes to us. There's the, I mean, there's a huge act of mercy right there. 
And in their story, they've, they're sinners and they live apart from God. Jesus comes to them and again, they reject Him. He's already shown mercy in coming, coming from heaven to earth, but coming across the lake for them. Jesus didn't go everywhere in the whole world. He went to only a few places and they're the ones that got to see Him. And they rejected Him anyway. And He shows mercy again. How does He do that? He says, I've got one that I've saved. I'm going to send Him back with you. He's going to be the emissary. He's going to be the ambassador. He's going to be the one that will speak for me. And that's much like how it is with us today. Christ is not here on the earth anymore, but He has left some people, probably not formerly possessed of demons, but hopefully changed nonetheless. And it is our calling to be different. God has left us to be a witness of the things that He has done in our lives and then point people to the one who made those changes. Because, and here's the third one, only Jesus can do these things. Jesus can do what society cannot do. Again, think about the, the backstory to this guy is what Mark talked about a little bit and Matthew just simply said they were, they were so fierce that nobody could pass this way. Well, here, Mark tells us a whole lot more. They would bind them in chains. They would put them in shackles. And they would break free. They would put them under guard. And they would break out of that. They were, they were, relegated to living in the tombs. You know what? As long as you stay out there and don't bother us, we're fine with that. Stay out there. We can't handle you in town. You might as well leave anyways. And when he comes, we just kind of board up and, and, and hope, hope the storm passes quickly. But then Jesus comes and does what they had tried to do, but could not do. He needed Christ to provide the spiritual healing. And you know, we, as in our society, our culture, we have a lot of broken people. In fact, every single one of us is broken in some way or another. And society tries to fix people with drugs and medicine. We try to fix people with uh, self-help, with self-love, with, in, with, oh, change the environment, or you know, the government want to do this or that or let the government leave us alone and let us do this and that and that's the thing. And There's so many ideas out there to try to fix the broken people. And yet, the only thing that will change, the only thing that really will help is Christ. You ever, you ever hear people kind of commiserate about what's going on? It's like, oh, what's wrong with the world today? What's wrong with what's wrong with society today? I was I was uh, um, in town and heard some people uh, this week uh, kind of complaining about culture. Two people talking about, oh my kids. Actually, two conversations. Oh my kids, this and my wife, this and just can't you know just just how horrible basically how horrible their families are. And you know, thankfully, neither one of them were families that belonged to this church. But uh, there, there was it was. It was just how awful it was, and, and, and they, they probably weren't wrong. But the thing is, they're just highlighting what's wrong with all of us. We're all messed up. We're all broken. 
and, and, and the thing that's wrong with society today is the thing that's wrong with all of us. And the only difference between Christians and society is that we were changed by Jesus. We're not smarter than they are. We're not better than they are. We've just simply been changed. We met the changer. We met the healer. And so, therefore, we should be different. And not walk around and say, I'm better than everybody here. But find people and say, I want to tell you about the one who healed me because either I used to be like you or I could have been like you were a lot worse. Let me tell you about someone who can help. And that's, and that's what our, our calling is there. So those three things. Uh, focus on uh, the value of one. Think about that. The value of one. That Christ came to seek and to save. You know, we, we see a lot about that in the, in, the, in the shepherd terminology that He left the 99 in the wilderness to go after the one lost sheep. It's the one. What? It doesn't make sense because if you leave the 99 in the wilderness... What happens if you find the one and then the other 99 scatter? But that's the value of the one individual sheep Christ loves. The men uh, were different before and after they, uh, they met Jesus. And only Jesus can do what society cannot do.